Hey, what's up? This is Jared Hill. Welcome to the show. So in a throwback of sorts, I am going to give to you today an episode that I recorded a little while back. This was when I was still really trying to figure out what I wanted to do with this podcast. And I had a couple of guests throughout a small period of time and had some discussions about how they started their business, some struggles that they had, maybe, you know, even thinking back a little bit into their younger years and how they, uh, how things just led to them being in business for themselves and growing a business. And so in this first episode uh, that I recorded with Victoria Popoff, who is an entrepreneur, a a Pilates instructor, super involved in the community. Um, She's a public speaker. She founded Studio V Fitness and uh, Modesto Reforms. She is a very active person, not only just because she's in the fitness space and of course has really stretched herself over the years in uh, trying different things in fitness and of course just being a leader in the fitness space, but also in growing her business businesses and um, trying different things. She is constantly uh, trying to find ways to to kind of morph her business into something that's just more, that adds more value to her, her customers. I mean, there are tons of gyms out there. There are tons of little studios and stuff popping up all over the place. But how does one like create something that continues to uh, draw in new people, uh, add enough value and help transform enough lives? So that they stick around and continue to be members and all that good stuff. So in this episode, uh, I talk with Victoria about her life as an entrepreneur. Let's jump into it. One of the first things that I do when I'm researching something such as a business or an idea is check to see if the domain name is available. I've been buying my domains lately from Namecheap.com. I used to avoid the lower priced, especially the ones with the low price names, but Namecheap is actually a fantastic company and has a really good online system for managing your domains. Their pricing, of course, is great and their customer service is great as well. So right now you can get uh, com domain names for under $9 for your first year. They've got hosting and all other sorts of resources available. So make sure you go to jared.link slash namecheap. The link is down in the show notes below. Hope you enjoy it. All right, so I am here with Victoria Popoff. She is amazing at all things, um, but mostly known for a lot of her uh, different fitness-related ventures in and around the Modesto area. Um, so I've known Victoria for a lot of years, uh, since before all of the entre- entrepreneurial efforts. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm excited to talk to her today. So welcome. Cool. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So um, tell me a little bit or tell us a little bit about like your journey. Tell me about young Victoria, age 10. What were you doing okay. that you think... that you think led to where you are today is there any moments as a child that you can I mean I can even track it back earlier than that actually so when I was a little girl and I'm talking like you know three to six years old uh, whenever I'd play with toys or engage with uh, you know what's supposed to be gender specific um, the Barbies would always be the boss or the manager of like the other things that's awesome (laughs) they would be like telling them what to do and how to do it. And then whenever I would go, I remember I was at Montessori, very little. And I remember I would um, tell everyone how to clean 
and how to do things. So I would make sure and direct traffic any way I could. So from a really young age, I mean, my parents recognized this and they, they encouraged it. They were fine with it because they told me you can do whatever you want. You know, if you, if you want to be an astronaut, you could do that. So I thought for a while, I told my parents, I want to be the first woman president. And so they kind of realized at a young age that, uh, they're up a creek with this one, you know, that I was just going to like be a little trailblazer. So I was very bossy when I was little. Obviously, I've, I've tailored that down a little bit, but my staff does call me BBL, which stands for Big Boss Lady. So I'm okay with it. I really, um, I've been the manager, the leader, the whatever of anything I've ever done. And it's very difficult for me not to just go and make sure everything happens. I just want to make sure things go well. So it's very hard not to step into that leadership role for me. Um, but yeah, 10 years old, I thought for a while I want to be a train conductor. I wanted to be a cop. I want to be a marine biologist. I had a lot of dreams when I was younger. And, um, you know, I went to a very small private school and I was kind of a late bloomer to a lot of things. I really uh, didn't have the normal exposure to alcohol, drugs, partying, even dating until I was um, in my mid-20s. So my development was very different in that aspect. We weren't really pushed into athletics. We were more academically based. So in some ways, it's a really good thing that that happened for me because all I was focused on was school and finishing high school and going to college and you know, I, I, um, I went to undergrad for communications and journalism, thinking I'd want to be a reporter. I was obsessed with the whole entertainment industry, ETV, all this. And so I, I worked on a radio station. I worked for a newspaper. I worked for TV. And when I graduated, I thought, okay, I'm going to work for E. That is my end all goal. And I had a friend who was a producer. So I was lucky enough to have a freelance position as like an assistant producer for the Grammys. Um, and I remember going to this just thinking, this is not what I expected it to be. It was just, uh, it was flat. There was no um, genuine, there was no genuine feel to any of it. So I did that, that gig and um, I kind of reverted back to doing more live sports. I loved live sports. That was a lot of fun for me. And I just kept thinking, what is the disconnect here? Why do I not like this? And I just, I wasn't making a difference. I wasn't engaging with people who were true blue human beings. These people were living in a very different reality. So I went back to school. I worked at a high school for a little while. And I was able to connect with kids on a different level. So I thought, you know, I really like the aspect of speaking with these kids and being a part of their lives and mentoring them. So I went back to grad school and um, started the marriage and family therapy track at Stan State. And I loved that program, loved it. It was amazing. So at the very end, you know, you're it's time to do your thesis. It's time to really be done and graduate. Finished all my classes, all my hours. At the very end, um, I had a friend, and I had been in the fitness industry at this point for 10 years, but it was my fun job. I worked at every gym. I managed a group X department. I taught swimming lessons. Like It was just my fun job. I never really took it to the point where I'm going to have this as my career. So at the very end of grad school, uh, I was offered a job to be this intern manager at a um, group home, so essentially, in Turlock. And 
<laughs> my friend said, you got to come look at this space in Modesto. Just come look at it because I really think you should open a Pilates studio. And it really wasn't on my forefront. I hadn't been looking. I hadn't thought that's what I was going to do. I was already on a track. And this friend of mine, he was, he loved what I did because he had lost 100 pounds using the methods I had helped him with. And he had done Pilates for a year. So we go look at the space and it's a, it's, it's a shell. There's insulation, there's beams, there's concrete floor. And my mind doesn't work in a way that I could see what it would become. I just thought this is way too much work. This is like starting from nothing. Like, I don't even know how to get from here to the next step. Um, so I went home and I could not stop thinking about that spot for a month. Every day I'd wake up and it'd be the first thing I mind. I'd go to bed. It was the last thing I'd think about because there was so much potential. I loved doing that career that I never thought it will be my full-time thing. How can I make a living off of this? So I started to prepare to negotiate this lease, which I had no idea how to do. You need to bring a friend with you when you negotiate leases <laughs> or have like a real estate friend come and help you. Yeah. Oh, that's another stressful thing. That's another podcast. So, so I went and did this and I just thought, okay, it's three years, Victoria. I think I was 29, 30 at the time. I just thought, what's three years? Even if you don't like it at the end of three years, you can go back and be a therapist. You can go get a job anywhere. It'll be fine. So I just thought, okay, three years, not that big of a deal. I'm young. I'm single. My life is pretty, like, decently set up. No stress. Let's just go for this. So I started to prepare to quit all my jobs. And I had, I'm had i very diversified. I worked at many different places and was happy doing that. And um, there's a lot of fear, a lot of stress in thinking about having no income and yeah. depending fully on yourself. Sure. A lot of fear. So I started preparing and kind of started putting in my notices, you know, worked with an architect to do this build out of this suite. <clears throat> and it happened very quickly. I mean, this is, it's like a whirlwind. As soon as you sign a lease, the things that happen after that, <laughs> you need to write them down because you'll never remember. You'll never remember everything exactly how it's happened. It's such a whirlwind. So I didn't tell anybody that I was going to do this. I just thought, you know what, um, I'm going to operate this by myself. I'm going to let people figure it out on their own. You know, in the fitness industry also, there is, um, there's some ethical codes that I really like to uphold. And if you're leaving another fitness facility and you're going to open your own, there, there's this gray space that a lot of people think, well, those are my clients. I train them. But in reality, if you're an employee of the facility, those clients don't belong to you. The information doesn't belong to you. Sure. And for you to go and then contact clients is unethical. There's usually contracts associated. So I was very, very careful when I left. I didn't tell anybody. I didn't post it anywhere. I never contacted one client. And I just thought people will figure it out if it's meant to be. I'm not going to push it. There's 300,000 people that live in Modesto. I don't need to bring over everybody that I trained over here. So it just kind of started like word of mouth. I think I was only the third person maybe in this area to open a small studio. 
And it was kind of a big deal at the moment. You know, it was new, it was trending, it was different. We had aerial yoga, we had Pilates on the reformer, we did some boot camps. Um, so we, uh, I started and it was just me. And I remember I could afford to buy three reformers. These machines are five to $6,000 a piece. So I remember thinking like, okay, you are going to just buy what you can afford. We're not going to go into debt starting this place. And we're just going to build up slowly, which now I look back and I'm glad because if you do a massive investment up front, the pressure is on, you've got to just hustle. So I did it in a very slow, methodical way that this is what I could afford at the moment. And as I made money, I'd buy one more machine. And I kind of learned the ins and outs of like how to buy the equipment and kind of how to get the best pricing on it, etc. So eventually I had six machines. And then on accident, I got a seventh machine, which I didn't plan for. And the machines are quite large, and they take a bit of space. <laughs> and when the seventh machine accidentally got to me, I thought, oh, how am I going to make this work? This room is only set up for six. So I had to be very um, creative on how I utilize the space. But we made it work, and we made seven machines fit in there. Uh, seven is also like the luckiest number for me on everything. So it serendipitous, I guess. So uh, real quick, so you're mm -hmm. saying, you know, you didn't want to go into debt. You didn't mm -hmm. want to do anything. So t let's talk about that yeah. for a second. Let's talk about funding because a lot of people oh. think to start a business, uh -huh. I need all this money no. or I need somebody else's money. Yeah. And that's kind of the big thing right now is like trying to get funding. Oh, it's hard. Nobody, you know, wants to use no. their own equity. Um, so let's talk about that for a second. So Absolutely, yeah. Studio V, mm -hmm. you didn't take on any funding. No. You just did this all yourself. No, I did not because I was, I was a little bit nervous too. Like if I take out a loan or I do a thing on a credit card, like then we've got interest rates. Now I've got to, yeah, you've got to pay back right away. What if, and what if you don't make money? There's always sure. this fear of failure in the back of your mind. And I think as an entrepreneur, you get used to that and it actually motivates you more because if you feel like you're failing, you're not working hard enough. You could be doing something different that will eliminate that fear from your mind. And it takes a lot of work. I remember working, you know, you're working 12 to 15 hours a day in the beginning. I didn't take a vacation. I worked seven days a week. I would sleep there sometimes because I wanted to be the first one there and the last one there. I wanted to make sure I was doing everything in my power to make that business work. How active could I be in the community? How much could I be doing outside of the studio? And then also teaching as well. So you're, you're nonstop. You don't have time. I forgot my friend's birthdays. I forgot anniversaries. I didn't go to baby showers. I mean, you kind of put everybody on the back burner because you want this to be successful. And I just apologized to my friends up front. I said, I'm not going to see you for probably two years. If you come in, I'll see you. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, you, you gotta just, you have to a hundred percent focus everything you have into your business. And anyone who's been successful will completely agree with me on that, that it takes your laser focus of what you want to happen. So the funding part is it's scary because I only could afford a certain amount and I knew what the end goal was. I didn't know exactly know how I was going to get there, but I knew if I was consistent, I worked really hard at it, just about what I could afford at the beginning and slowly built. We got to the point where we are now and now we're busting at the seams. Sure. And you're opening a second location. Yeah. And it's been six years, a good six, six and a half almost. And it takes time. Nothing is going to happen overnight. Growth too fast is going to cause failure. Yep. You cannot put 
a massive amount of something in in quickly you've got to let growth happen and those first two to three years are like the most important parts that you build a foundation sure so uh so did you consider partnering with somebody to help fund this or you know from what? the beginning where you just I'm really this not. has got to be me i'll be honest i am not good at letting someone else have control of things that's me personally mm. i have had two other businesses with partners that have failed they were very short-lived they were one to two years and then it was a done deal because it's extremely difficult this is what I've realized. You don't really know someone until you marry them or go into business with them. Very true. That is like, I can't even tell you. You can have a best friend that you've known your whole life, but if you go into business with them, the way they look at money, their ethical code, the way that they deal with people is not the same as you, guaranteed. And if you don't like it, you will have conflict. So I always tell people, if you want to have a business partner, please don't let them be your, be your friend first. Have them be solely your business partner and you have very clear roles. You have it all written up ahead of time. Do not go in thinking, when I hear people say, I wanna open a business because it's gonna be so fun. I just cringe a little bit because yeah, there's fun parts, but there is so much sacrifice and so much hardship that you're gonna go through and you will lose friends. You will have people mad at you. You'll have negative reviews on public forums. It will happen. You can't avoid those things. And I've had to say goodbye to a lot of people in my life because my business, my staff, and the clients have to come first to make sure that is a successful business. Sure. So um, at at one point, and I, I don't know the current Mm -hmm. status of all of this, but there was a partnership with a day spa. Mm -hmm. Let's talk briefly about, about that. So you mm -hmm. had Studio V, yes. fitness, yep. your and fitness then, studio. And, and next then... door, there was a day spa that was not being operated. And, you know, my mindset was, oh, this should be easy. It's right next door. Well, what am I thinking? I have never been in the, the beauty industry. I hadn't even had a facial at this point. I don't know anything about products. And I had two partners who were my friends. And unfortunately, that ended and we're no longer friends, which is the saddest part of the whole thing. You know, like I said, you don't really know how business is going to go. And what if you don't make money? What if you continue to lose money? Then there's this other element of stress on your friendship. So nothing, nothing uh, can come up good, I don't think that I have seen or I have experienced, I'd love to know if someone has, where you're friends and then you open a business together. It's it's very difficult to do. Yeah, I feel like there has to be very uh, a very stark difference mm -hmm. between the two people to where when they're mm -hmm. together, they're more powerful. Yes. And, but they're also very able to and recognize yang. that, yes. which you, is very hard. I, I mean, agree most people you. don't have that. They both need to have opposite strengths, honestly. Yeah. They need to have, this is what I'm bringing to the table and this is what you're bringing to the table. If we're all good at marketing and nobody can balance the books, we are up a creek. So you've got to know what each other's strengths are and your weaknesses. And if you don't know that stuff, I would never go into business with someone, ever. It's not a good idea. <laughs> don't do it. <laughs> <clears throat> Okay, so uh, talking about partnerships, obviously there have been partnerships that you've made in one way or another, maybe not shared interest in your sure. business, but talk about some partnerships that you've made, whether it be with other businesses or other people to promote each other, to help yeah. each other. Like what is one example of a partnership? Mm -hmm. How did you develop that? Uh, and how has it paid off for both of you? Absolutely. 
I love collaboration. With like-minded people, collaboration is a beautiful thing. Uh, I think you really need to just look at what are their vision, what is their goals, what's their mission statement with their business, and does it coincide with yours? They don't even have to have the same kind of business. Nothing has to be the same, but they need to have the same mindset of how they view things. So I have a very um, what's called abundant mindset about things. I feel like there's enough for everybody to go around. I want everyone else to be successful. I want to help you get to that point if I have the ability to help you. And a lot of people, especially in the fitness industry, have a scarcity mindset of these are my clients. This is my stuff. Don't come over here. Don't look at what I'm doing. Don't copy me. Well, guess what? Everybody has the same ideas. Yep. We're going to offer this intro rate. We're going to have a great special. You wear pink to a class and called something. I mean, it's nothing is new. Okay. Everything is is a regurgitated idea. Nobody is copying anybody. And if you feel copied, man, just take it as flattery at this point. Like just move on with life. So I definitely look for people that have similar mindsets. Um, I encourage my staff, and this is one good thing. I really like to be collaborative with other fitness businesses in town. And that's not something that is done. Typically, everyone kind of sticks to themselves. Nobody talks to each other. But when I opened, I made sure I reached out to everybody who already had a studio. And I told them what I was doing and just said, you know, I'd love to work with you. And people kind of took it weird. It took about two or three years before people were like, okay, she really is legit about what she's saying. And if, you know, we use this software called MindBody. And I love the software. I'm kind of obsessed with it, like, in a weird way. Um, (laughs) So... A lot of my other, what should be competitors, use the same software. And I've reached out to say, congratulations, you're opening. Hey, I know you're going to use that software. And if you need help, hit me up because I'd love to show you so you don't make the same mistakes I did. And I've went to almost all these businesses, sat down for a couple hours, showed them some stuff on MindBody, helped them with their pricing, helped them with whatever they need it with. So fitness industry, my own supposedly competitors, I befriend them right away. I have staff workouts planned and we swap. So I'll say, hey, bring your staff over to us. We'll do aerial yoga, we'll do Pilates, and then I'll bring my staff over to you and we'll do pole fitness or a CrossFit workout or whatever. And I think that that sends a really good message to our staff that we're collaborative, that we're positive, and to the community that we work together. Um, On a bigger scale too, we've done, um, we just started this thing called Pilates Brunch Club. And we're going to start collaborating with restaurants, essentially, that host brunch on the weekends, not just in our local area. It could be outside of it, too. And we'll teach Pilates. We'll set the music up. We'll we'll manage all the accounts um, and all the clients. And then we'll host a brunch. And, you know, we have... We have one this Sunday and there's 45 people signed up. So it's great business for both of us. You know, I get new clients that are interested in Pilates. They get 45, 50 people right there on their premises right away. So looking for things where we can blend together, I love that idea. I think it's I think it's great for this community. I try and help. So I've been involved with a lot of different organizations. Um, anything I feel like, I, okay, I'm good at this. I've figured it out. I will go and help other businesses with it. So, you know, this whole Snapchat thing, when the filters were a big deal two years ago, I was like, I'm gonna figure out how to make these Snapchat filters and I'm gonna do it myself. And I kind of, you know, I figured it out and then businesses would see, how did you make that? So I would go around and do these tutorials and I have been doing them. So like Center for Human Services, I just went over there and did a Snapchat tutorial so they would know how to do it in their own marketing department. You guys should be making these for your events. Have people use them. It's great and it's easy and it's simple. So 
that is just one avenue of how I can be a better member of my community is helping other businesses do better marketing to help sure. themselves, especially with social media. I feel like there's a big disconnect on how we use social media. Tell me about one failure that was really a defining moment in your life. Like you look back across all the things that you've tried, that mm-hmm. you've dove into. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a failure that you're like, okay, well, without that, I wouldn't be where I am? That's a really good question. And the first thing that comes to my mind, um, I had a lot of fear of what my staff thought about me. So I would make decisions way later than I needed to. I should have made decisions right when I needed when I needed it to happen. Sure. But I was so afraid that my staff wouldn't like me. That was a big deal for me for many years. And I never wanted to upset them. So I remember there was a time, you know, they were independent contractors in the beginning. And there was a time when I really start. I needed them to be employees. And I was so afraid to make this change, not for the financial aspect of it, but I needed people to wear a certain thing, come at a certain time, come to meetings, like, you know, be more accountable to the business. And when that change was about to happen, I mean, I was so afraid of how they were going to see me, if they're going to be mad. And I did have a couple of staff members that weren't happy. And then I realized like the boundaries between myself and my employees is not where it should be because I am, I'm the boss and I had become their friend. And I really started to realize that is a bad mistake to make. You can love your staff, you can appreciate your staff, but I think there's a boundary that you still need to maintain that you are the one paying the bills, you're the one with all the risk on the line, whether they think it, see it, if they think you work a lot or whatever, you're working 24 seven, no matter what anyone sees. So there's a lot of fear of not pulling the trigger fast enough for me. And I look back thinking, oh, I should have let that person go a long time ago. I should have made them employees two years before. And I avoided it because I didn't want conflict. And now, new leaf, you just have to run in there and you've got to do what you got to do. I mean, honestly, it loses you money at the end of the day if you don't let people go when they're supposed to go. Yeah. The way that I've always described it is it's like when you're in an old building and everyone starts to get sick and they don't really know why they're like oh everyone just doesn't feel good there's just a weird like ugh. and there's like mold growing in the walls or in the vents as soon as you remove the mold everybody starts to feel instantly better sometimes you have a staff member that is the mold and you have to get rid of it before it affects everybody else on your staff have to and it sucks it's hard sometimes they become your friend and you have a very difficult time thinking you have to fire them very difficult as a, an entrepreneur, and you see yourself as an entrepreneur now, have you, from day one when you decided to open up your, your studio, did you see yourself as an entrepreneur, or is that something you feel that you needed to grow into? Hmm, that's a good question. You know what? This is all I've ever felt like I've done. So when I look back on life, I can't even tell you. Like, yeah, I had lots of jobs. I worked for a lot of different people, but I've never felt like I have. I've always felt like I was doing my own thing, running my own world, always. I never felt like I reported to anyone else, even though you do have a boss, right? So in some aspects, I feel like I've always been like this my entire life. I do feel like the word throws people off sometimes, like, oh, I don't know if I wanna call myself that, but why not? Embrace it. Like, you are starting something from nothing. If you can do that, like, embrace the word entrepreneur and go with it. Sure. 
Awesome. Uh, so other than deciding to work for yourself, kind of open up the studio and go down this path, uh, what do you think was an important decision that you made that contributed to your success? Or maybe it's a decision that you continuously make. There is a decision I continuously make. And ever since that, that time I told you I was afraid of what my staff thought, <clears throat> what I do every day now is I, I believe that leadership starts from the top. And even though I don't have direct contact with every client in that studio, my staff does. So I feel like the way that I treat my staff, the way I appreciate my staff, the way I take care of them will filter through to my clients that are there and they will feel loved just as if I'm there. So every day I think about my staff. I think about what they're going through, what's happening even in their personal lives. <clears throat> and I have taken on this role of a boss, of the owner, much more than I was in the beginning. It took me a long time to really say, yeah, I'm the owner. People would walk in and I'd say, oh, I get to work here. I just work here. I work with them. But it's like, no, you, you can be the owner. It's not an egotistical thing. So I think the decisions that I make every day is to look out for the longevity of my staff and make it their career and always think of it as their career. If I, you know, if you think of something just as a job, it just seems so like trivial. But if this is their career for the rest of their lives, I'm going to do everything I can to make that position for them amazing. And it has worked really well so far with how clients feel, how they feel welcomed. My staff takes very good care of the clients that are there. And this is the best staff I've had. I tell them all the time, you guys are the you guys are the team that makes the dream work. Like I get to do so many amazing things in this community because I have this supportive staff that work from 4.30 in the morning till 8.30 at night. I mean, these are incredible people that work there, incredible. So I think you just answered my next question, which was <laughs> gonna be, um, what do you think is more rewarding, mm. making your business a success or maintaining its successfulness? And it sounds mm. like with keeping your employees in mind mm -hmm. and the, seeing this as a career rather than a job, mm -hmm. like it's maintaining the Absolutely. successfulness. Because some people have this painted picture of what success looks like, and uh -huh. it's usually influenced by some oh, yeah. external thing that they have. You no, should read, have you read the E-Myth? The E-Myth, yeah. Oh my gosh. It's I read so, that years it's ago. It's so exactly what you're saying. People yeah. think what an entrepreneur is and then they do it and they're like, what the F? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, and, and you know, and that's, that's, you know, a huge thing. I think a lot of people have this idea of what entrepreneurship looks like because of, you know, television shows mm -hmm. or social media totally. or whatever. There's, you know, the, the loud voices of the internet that are saying, mm -hmm. you know, it's this, it's this, it's this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I hear hard work and hustle said all the time, but what's really projected is you just do it and it's going to be great. Right. Um, so, or you have so a Maserati a people... and you have like, you know, traveling all over the world, not just happening to you. It's like, nope, you usually look like a hot mess. You get up at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> You're running from place to place. You're constantly late to everything. You can't keep yourself straight typically. And you need a lot of people to help support that dream. <laughs> if that's the dream, hey, I'm living it. <laughs> well, I think that'll be a good transition into this next question, um, which is, uh, what is one thing that you find to be true that most people would disagree with? What is one thing? I That's a load. It's a tough <clears throat> question. Say it I one know. more time. What is one thing that you find to be true that most people would disagree with? And I, uh, mm -hmm. the reason I ask this question is because being an entrepreneur can be kind of a lonely thing. Oh, very. Um, 
most of our friends, the people that are in our lives, our family, mm-hmm. don't quite understand no. it. Uh, and so there's some different truths that we have mm-hmm. sometimes. And if Very there was much. one that you would be able to, you know, pick out, if there's something you could think of, um, that there's like so you have to continue to mind. believe that other people mm-hmm. might find a foreign concept or... Yes. You know, I think the most... Maybe not a lot of people disagree with this. I don't know. I just know it's very true for me is you have to continuously have faith in yourself. You have to stay consistent and you can't lose track of those things. I know a lot of people put out an image that everything's great all the time. I can't really do that. You know, I post sad things when things are sad or if people know me really well and they read my social media, they'll know something is not typically like going on or I'll just take a break from social media. If I'm absent from social media, things are not good. Let me tell you what, I'm not the person who can fake it when things are not good. But I think that knowing your abilities, having faith in your abilities and staying consistent and always working towards the next step uh, if you do those things, I feel like success is guaranteed to you. I really do. But I think a lot of us falter, doubt, listen to other people. Hey, you know, people want to take you down a lot. They they see what you're doing and it's fearful for a lot of people. Think about what we feel like. Our friends are fearful also because they can't imagine it. Um, that's, that's one. I feel like uh, the other thing that may be true that's very hard for a lot of people to do is playing on the last thing people are going to say and do and talk about you no matter what you do and they're going to say negative things no matter how great you are what kind of squeaky clean image you have how good a foot you put forward people will always talk about you and this is one thing that was very difficult for me in the beginning because I didn't want anyone to ever think bad about me I wanted to be friends with everybody I wanted to make everyone happy and that is absolutely impossible so knowing that no matter what you do people are going to talk no matter what, that you continue being yourself and genuine to that. And to me, it was very important to keep my ethical code very high and look back and not regret decisions that I had made. So, you know, people try and hurt you. The first instinct for a human is to hurt them back, okay? The reason people try and hurt you is because they're hurting inside already. It has really nothing to do with us. They're hurting about something. It could be about you, sure, but they want to lash out at you. The best advice I've ever had given to me, when someone tries to hurt you, if you try and hurt them back, you're going to become just like them. And it's, a, it's very hard to hold your tongue not to post some passive aggressive thing that's directed at this one person. You get a whole bunch of likes on it. And everyone's like, amen, amen, emoji, emoji. It's like we shouldn't be perpetuating this hurtfulness that happens between friends, between coworkers, between whoever, family members. I've seen it done everywhere. So learning to hold your tongue. I mean, that's a hard thing. But as an entrepreneur, yeah. I have had to learn that you just don't get to say stuff sometimes. Yeah. You don't. You don't get to have a political opinion. You don't get to have a religious opinion. You can if you want. But in my opinion, I feel like it is risky business to have a very strong voice. It is. In in terms of offense and conflict. And I've learned to really hold my tongue on a lot of things and just not say anything. It's hard. It's sure. a hard thing to do. So let's transition and talk about like focus and, uh, you know, just keeping motivated. So you have 
your hands on a lot of different things. Mm. You know, you're not only just running your studio, you're not mm. only just trying to open another studio. Right. You're not only trying to just maintain and grow all these right. different partnerships and connections. Like, how do you keep yourself organized? Um, what have you found that works best for you? Whether it be like a handwritten journal or mm -hmm. an app or some sort of tool that you use, um, like what helps keep you focused? Mm -hmm. And then, and then how do you maintain that focus? Is it, do you take some time to yourself? Do you have like an unloading moment, mm -hmm. like a Victoria <laughs> decompression chamber somewhere around here? Like, what is it that you do <laughs> that, uh, well, I'll tell you what. Um, you're here in my house right now. We're doing this podcast and I have what's called organized chaos Yeah, and I'm very comfortable with it. Okay. A lot of people don't like living like that, but I do this thing with containers <laughs> and I will put things in containers with priorities. Like you need to look at this this week. This can wait a little bit of time and it looks kind of like a mess. To me, it makes total sense because it's organized in my brain. I have stacks over there, I have stacks over here. Um, I have lots of different journals I write stuff down. I do much better when I actually physically write something down versus type it in or text it in. So I have journals that come with me in the car and the whatever, because I have inspired thoughts anywhere and I want to be able to like write it down. Um, my new thing is this whole waking up at 3 and 4 a.m. for no good reason. And so I've just gotten up and started writing in this journal next to me and getting all these thoughts out and falling back asleep. Um, so organized chaos is really the way I live my life. I am very lucky to have a good staff and a great manager that are extremely organized and they actually keep me in line a lot. And I love it. I love having reminders. I like have people remind me to do things like that's good for me. I think I'm more of the big picture person when it comes to like the vision, not the micromanaging day-to-day -day person at all. I'm not, that's not my strong suit at all. And knowing what your strong suits are, I think are important. So the next part of that, the decompression part is really interesting. This year has been a very, very rough year for me. I've went through a lot of transitions in life's ups, downs, very sad moments and uh, a lot of anxiety. And I've never really dealt with anxiety before. And I think that that's really common when you have a business because there are scary times that you, you don't know where that's coming from. You don't know how you're going to pay that bill sometimes, but you figure it out and it always works out. So um, learning to deal with anxiety was a really new thing for me. So I started this process at night before I'd go to bed where I would turn off electronics and they tell you not to look at your screen at least an hour before you go to bed. So I said, you know, I'm actually going to give this thing a try. Like, let's see. I, you know, would find this very meditative music that I'd put throughout my house. I would light candles. I would do some like essential oils. I know this is a big thing, but like I had such bad anxiety. I really wasn't sleeping hardly at all. And I would just sit awake, of course, on the computer, which keeps you more awake. And I did this whole process for a couple weeks and I would just sit and I wouldn't lay down yet. I would sit by my bed and I would just kind of close my eyes, do my deep breathing. And you know what's funny is I can teach meditation like nobody's business. Like I love teaching meditation. I love being, you know, doing aerial, putting people in savasana, like really, really getting into meditation. But doing it for yourself is a very different thing. So what I found worked during the day, if I would have anxiety, I would do this I don't even know if it's a thing, but it worked for me. Minute meditation. And I would literally like set my timer for 60 seconds, turn my phone over, put my headphones in with this really relaxing music. And I would sit and breathe for 60 seconds. And it was, it was the most effective thing that I could do because I didn't need anywhere to be. I didn't need anything special. 
And I would take my deep breaths, I would listen to my music, and I would go about my day. So by the end of the day, my, um, my, you know, my heart, my blood pressure was okay, but I did have some anxiety issues there for a second. And I get, I get them every once in a while, especially when there's going to be a lot of people somewhere, or there's a lot of pressure on me to perform. You know, I love public speaking, but I still get a tiny bit of anxiety, not nerves, but just what's everyone going to think? Is this going to come across right? Am I going to sound smart? You know, I never want to sound dumb when I do something and uh, your fears come out. You know, when you're in front of a lot of people, you start having all these fears come up. So I do these little minute meditations and I try and do this nightly. If I'm at home, I listen to music, you know, I have some tea that has, you know, relaxing herbs in it. I was, I was pretty on it for a while there and it helps. I mean, you have to like learn to relax and you're going to burn out if you don't. Yeah. Cause there's always something that needs to be done. Always. And if there isn't something that needs to be done, you it's create it. <laughs> yeah, you create true. it. Cause I know that's, that's how I am. Me too. As soon as I can see a slowdown coming, I'm like, what new business can I start? Let me think here. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't keep myself in a slowdown at all. So you decided to build your business in Modesto mm -hmm. and people are probably going to be listening to this from all over the place. Mm -hmm. um, it's very common for people to leave their hometown for better opportunity to build something somewhere mm -hmm. else where the grass may be greener totally. and maybe it is, maybe it's not. Um, but what made you decide to stay here in the town that you grew mm -hmm. up in um, and build your business as mm -hmm. opposed to going elsewhere especially, you know, in the fitness industry and everything, you know, you could go and, and make that happen probably mm -hmm. anywhere. It's a, um, that's a really good thing. A lot of people, you know, they have this opinion about Modesto and it's a lot of small towns get this vibe like, ugh, there's nothing to do there. It's so far away from everything. And you know what? There's towns all over the entire nation that have this. It's not just Modesto, right? I feel like it, wherever you are, it doesn't matter what town you're in, you have opportunity right there where you're at. You just have to look. If your vision is not focused and you think, well, my opportunity is in San Francisco or I have to go to LA, then that's what your mind is going to do. That, that's what your choices are going to become. You're going to make everything happen in your life to guide you there. If you think to yourself, well, how can I make opportunity right here where I'm at? Your, your mindset starts to shift and see things differently. So for me, it was like opportunities started showing up. You know, I don't know how much you believe in like the secret, but I watch that thing and I'm like, dude, this stuff is real. Like, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm like, oh man, is this like happening? Because if you imagine and you think about what you want to happen, how can it, I mean, everything, so I have all my old iPhones. This is a stupid story, but I'm going to tell you anyways. I've saved every one of my iPhones I've ever had since my very first one because I'm a weirdo and I'm a hoarder and I, I like to save I things. Have, <laughs> I have a fat stack of old phones too. Yes, and I like them. And you know why? It's because I type things in there. There's photos in there, whatever. There's text messages. So I would type into the notes about you know, things that I want would want to do or create or see or become. And then years later, I would go to those phones and open them just for fun and be like, okay, what's in here? I'd go read these notes and I'm like, wow, like you did all this. It's already done. It's already happened or it's happening right now. 
And it's just the way your mind works. You put it out there, you write it down, you think about it, you talk to your friends about it. You're going to make itty bitty changes in your life to get you closer to that without even realizing it. I have this board that's behind me and every year um, at New Year's, when my friends come over, I have them write down, what are your goals? What do you want to happen this year? What what do you want to accomplish? And I want you to think big because I feel like as soon as you share it publicly somehow, your mind starts to change directions. So every year I write them publicly, I let everybody write them. And it's amazing how many of these things have come true for my friends. And they're like, wow, I wrote that down a year ago and it's already happening. So I really do think there's a power in uh, sharing, talking, publicly posting, saying what you want to happen. Having a ritual, I think, is really important. Whether it's once a week, once a day, like I do these little minutes meditations. A lot of people use working out as their ritual to release tension. And I love Pilates. I love cardio. I love lifting weights. So I'll do that. But usually this little nighttime thing that I've been doing has been very helpful. And I think a ritual in some ways super impactful your body knows what to expect your mind knows what to expect you look forward to it people human beings we like routines we like things to be in order of what we know to expect i can eat the same food every day because there's no stress in that for me i know exactly what to expect i know exactly how it's going to taste i know that sounds boring but it takes stress out of eating it's yeah, so much no, easier I, I totally agree i'm the same way i could probably eat the same thing mm-hmm. forever mm-hmm. and i've even been secretly <laughs> desiring to limit my wardrobe and everything the same way that like Zuckerberg mm-hmm. and Steve Jobs. I'm like, I'll just wear the same, same thing. Shirts. I really don't give a crap. Yep, same. I'm married. I have kids. Mm-hmm. I'll dress up when we go out. Exactly. But for every day for work, yep. was, I haven't done that yet, but I'm I've considered it. I'm very much like that. Or if I find something I like, I'm like, well, I need to buy every color just so I'm covered when I know I like something. Yeah, it's... um. <clears throat> I think rituals are really important. And I think, you know, there's lots of articles and books about entrepreneurs and what successful is and, you know, make your bed every morning, make sure you exercise every day, get lots of sleep. Sometimes that's not realistic. Okay. My bed does not get made every day. Sometimes there's no sheets on my bed when I go to sleep. Like it's just like you're crashing and burning people. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. It's, it's very hard. It takes time to build up rituals and stuff Mm -hmm. like that, uh, to, you know, there are, there are bigger things going on. And for me, it's mm-hmm. like, if I'm, if I end up going to bed, I didn't get to do my laundry. I didn't get to finish, you know, putting the bed together. Uh-huh. It's fine. There, yeah. you know, the extra 15 minutes of sleep mm-hmm. and not worrying about Absolutely. that is, is well worth it. I think you look at the bigger picture when you become an entrepreneur and the little things start to not matter as much. So how clean my car is doesn't really make a difference to me. There's dishes in the sink. I'm going to be okay. Like life's still going to go on. I'm not going to be crazy about every little thing in my life. And yeah, that's why I'm not as organized because I'm a big picture person. And if it bothers someone else, like it's not my deal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They can either take ownership of it or or move out of the way. Um, so where do you, okay. So you're about to open a second location. Mm -hmm. You're working on that. Mm -hmm. Um, what do you see yourself doing in five years? Do you see yourself opening a third location, uh, uh, further expanding mm-hmm. the Studio V brand? Do you see yourself going off and doing stuff as uh, your own brand? Like, how do you how well, do you envision the future? Years. Okay, so five years, I'll be forty in five years, and I'm actually super excited to turn forty. I think that's such a milestone in your life. Like, 
aging is such a gift. So I'm actually super excited to turn 40. I would love by the time I'm 40 to, I have some people on my staff that I adore that are much younger than me and to get them to the point where they could buy the business from me and then continue going for another 20 years. So by that point, I'll have the business for 11 years. And if somebody else younger with the same mindset could take it and continue going, I'd be thrilled to see that continue. I'd like to see that business there for 20, 30, 40, 70 years if it could be. Uh, if it benefits the community, then we're, we're in the right place. Uh, would I have, like to have more locations? Yes. Uh, I'm very picky about where it's going to be and what it's going to have in there and how it's going to operate. Um, I've been approached by many different businesses to come in, look, you know, do you want to buy it? And just if it doesn't fit, you know it. You just know if it feels right or not. It needs to have a lot of boxes checked for it to be the right fit. And this last opportunity of opening, it was everything was too good to be true. And I couldn't say no to it. So if another opportunity like that happened outside of our area, even, you know, in another town, really, I would be thrilled to take on another challenge. Uh, I have a great staff, and I don't doubt that I could replicate that in another town for sure. Awesome. So for, uh, for yourself, for your own brand, um, you know, say in five years, you you have transitioned out of Studio V, mm-hmm. and it's running under somebody else's hands, mm-hmm. or even you're just further detached from it. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you, what do you see yourself doing? Like, or you seem to be like really, uh, you really enjoy educating, mm-hmm. um, teaching other people. Like, do. do you, do you see yourself doing something like that being more of a consultant or how do yeah, you? I, I've really gotten into like, you know, my, so I have, I have colleagues here who also own fitness businesses and I've had the opportunity to be able to coach them through the opening through, you know, that, year one, year two, year three, and kind of where the slump happens. And I've had a a great time doing that with these girls that also own studios. And I've, um, I've enjoyed that so much. I love teaching social media. You know, this new location is going to be a teacher training facility. So I'll be able to actually have hands on with brand new teachers who want to be in the fitness industry, who want to teach Pilates. And, you know, there's a big gap in the industry of how to become certified and then how do you get to be a good teacher it takes a lot of time and a lot of practice just like any other trade so being able to have um you know all this coaching and teaching and educating i love doing that it's very easy for me it comes very naturally i would love to have a uh, a virtual business where i could do this on a bigger level and a bigger scale you know we're making um education videos and people are on an online type of forum with classes and I would love to do that for business owners for Pilates instructors social media I mean there's so many entities that we could go into but I I think that online virtual business is kind of the next step for me to build up and hopefully YouTube and all that fun stuff that comes along with it but yes education online I think is the next kind of tool to make it a bigger product okay cool um, so to the person who's thinking about, they have an idea, they're, you know, listening to podcasts like mm-hmm. this because they're looking for inspiration, um, and ideas on how to make stuff happen. Like if there was a brand new person, whether they're getting into wanting to get into fitness or any other industry, uh, what is something that you could tell them? Maybe this is something that you wish was told to you mm-hmm. when you first started. What would be that piece of advice that you would give them? Don't rush anything. 
I feel like research is really important. You need to know the industry you're in really well. Like you're kind of talking off uh, mic earlier. um, If you're not already in the industry, you need to be in it before you open a business in it. If you want to open a spa, you need to go work in a spa. You need to go be a manager of a spa. You need to see how the operations happen, how the staffing happens, how everything behind the scenes happen. You cannot physically understand the industry until you've been in it. I know they say 10 years, you'll be an expert, blah, blah, blah. I don't even know if that's the thing. I think you just need to be immersed in the industry as much as you possibly can. Eat, breathe, sleep, live in the industry you want to be in. So if if you want to be a badass hairdresser down for celebrities, like you need to get your hands on hair and people that know and, and associate with yourself with people who already do it. So definitely research, get into the industry. Don't worry about opening right away. I mean, that that's a thing that it will happen as perfect timing presents itself. I do believe in that. And you'll meet the right people that will help you get to that point you want to be. You can't really do this alone. Doing it solo, you're going to be isolated. That's one thing. You are definitely isolated. But you need people around you as your support team, as other mentors that you need to have to ask questions to. So get in the industry. Do your research. Make sure you're educated. Don't just open because it sounds fun or it's a great opportunity. You've got to know your market too. So wherever you're living, the first thing is, is there a need for what you want to do? If there's no need, if if you're thinking like, man, it'd be fun if this was here. I wish, if I, if I ever think to myself, I wish this existed. It's probably a good idea for a business. Maybe, maybe not locally where you are, but maybe somewhere else. So what I do is if I think of a good idea, I go by the domain name right away. I'm like, okay, that's a great idea. I just bought vinoamino.com the other day because wine and aminos I'm like man that sounds like such a good idea I would love to put wine and aminos together and make this like a healthy wine obviously I'm not a scientist but I do own the domain name <laughs> quick question how many domain names oh do you gosh. own oh my gosh I probably have 120 just because I'm a weirdo and I will sit up at night and be like oh that is such a good idea. And I'll go look, nobody owns it. Okay, well, I'm just gonna have it. I'll at least buy it for two years because that seems safe. Maybe I'll meet a scientist. (laughs) At my peak, I had 372. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, you're like me. I've reeled it Uh in since, I've been able to Uh reel it in, but I still have the the sickness. It's really hard to stop doing that though because you you have an idea and it sounds like a great, you can visualize how it's gonna look. I'm like, I can see the label on this wine bottle. Oh my gosh, all these fitness people are gonna want this wine. And I love wine and I love aminos, so I'm like, how can I get them together? Um, but yeah, you, you really need to research. Like you really need to know what you're doing. You need to have the right certifications, the right schooling. Um, and the, what I tell people is go look at people who are doing what you wanna do. Watch them, turn the notifications on on social media, look at their website, subscribe to their blog. Really, really look at what they're doing and why do you like what they're doing? And then you try to emulate that as best you can and look at their footsteps of how they got there and realize none of it happened overnight. The people that I look at have millions of followers on social media. You know, they've been doing it for years upon years upon years. The content is overwhelming. And I'm like, well, you know, you could think I'm never going to get to that point because, yeah, they started 10 years ago making content. So, yeah, they're going to have libraries full right now. You're absolutely right. But you got to start somewhere. So research, practice, get into the industry, 
make friends, make associations and connections with people who are already doing what you want to do and surround yourself with people who are supportive of your dream. Excellent. So where can people find out more information about you, uh, website, social media? Where's your preferred spots right now? Well, I have the same username over all social media platforms. It's my first and last name, Victoria Popoff, and it's just like it sounds, pop off. OFF um, on everything Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere you can look for me. That's where I'll that's where I'll be underneath that name. My businesses are associated with me and all those. Those are easy to find. But personally, um, and that's how I prefer to connect is just personally through there. You you can find me, contact me, snap me, tweet me, whatever you want to do. I'll be around. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for taking yeah. taking your time to do fun. this. Uh, this is a lot again. of fun, and yeah. I think that. Um, I, and along with anybody that listened to this is going to get some really good information out of it. Yeah. I hope so. so. Hopefully it's inspiring and motivates and you know, if you guys come up with some good ideas by the domain name. Yeah. (laughs) By the domain name, you'll be rich in domain names. It's true. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, thanks a lot. All right. Talk to you later. All right. Well, thanks so much for sticking in there. This was a longer episode than normal. Uh, This episode actually is almost two years old, a little more than a year and a half old. I found the original creation date. We sat down in August of 2017 and recorded this. So Victoria is a little bit further down her entrepreneurial path and business growth. And of course, just like with any business, things change and pivot. Uh, But if you are interested in seeing more of kind of where she's at right now, the different things that she's working on, make sure to check her out on social media. If you listen to this podcast, make sure to give uh, give her a shout out. Just say hi. Uh, she would love to hear from you. And I just, uh, if you enjoyed this, let me know because this was something that I really got excited about for a little while and then felt that I didn't have a correct direction for it. I didn't just want to put these episodes out there and not have like really any follow-up or any real reason for putting them out there. And I think that now is no better time than any. Uh, People definitely are hungry for this information, uh, hearing from other entrepreneurs, kind of better understanding just the mindset of people who are out there doing something on their own, taking the risks and, um, and just trying to build something of their own. And so I hope that it encouraged you. I hope that you learned something from the episode or at least had a takeaway. Uh, I would love for you to share that with me if you go to your favorite social, whether it be Twitter, or Facebook, uh, Instagram, or whatnot, and just share uh, a little bit about what you enjoyed. Maybe there was a uh, statement or a quote that stuck out. Definitely share that. Tag me in it so that I can see it, and I would love to just interact with you there. Thanks again for sticking through this episode. It was a little bit longer than my normal episodes. Uh, Like I said, if you enjoyed it, let me know so I could be encouraged to do more of these. But until next time, thanks so much and take care.